Hi, Pastor Chuck here, and I want to say thank you for listening with us today. Hope this message from God's Word encourages you, challenges you, inspires you, and reminds you of how much God loves you. And uh, we uh, we started our new series last week called What God Can Do. And last week we looked at Jochebed, who was uh, Moses' mother. Uh, she wasn't named, uh, given. she wasn't mentioned by name in the passage we looked at last week, but we know from uh, Exodus 6 that her name was Jochebed. And we looked at how God was able to use her faith, her willingness to, to hand her child over to God's protection and say, okay, God, now I'm handing him over to you. I've done all I can do, uh, all I know to do, and now I'm giving him to you. And we see that God used that act of faith to preserve Moses' life, and not only to preserve his life, but to put him in the exact situation that God needed him in to come back later and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and out of slavery. And so we saw God work through her faith. Uh, today, we're going to look at how God can work through our obedience. And then next week, we're going to look at how God can work through his word. So uh, this morning, we'll just jump right into our scripture passage. Uh, we're going to be in the book of 2 Kings. Uh, we're going to be uh, 2 Kings uh, chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the son of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take him, my, to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow thee, borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, he said, Go, sell the oil and pay thy debt, and live thy, thou and thy children of the rest. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you speak to us this morning. Lord, challenge our hearts, we ask in your name. Amen. So hopefully you can see, just even from that reading of that story, you can see what God can do. We see a desperate situation. We see a situation that looks hopeless. I can imagine what this woman is going through. Her, her husband has passed away. And uh, uh, now it's just her and her sons. And she has a, a debt that is due and she doesn't have the money to pay it. And the creditors come into her and saying, well, you know, technically by the law, I can take your sons as payment and they'll work for me until that year of Jubilee, which would set them free. And uh, they'll just be my my servants, my slaves, if you will. Uh, again, we're in a situation here where you see another mother really distressed over what's about to happen to her child. In this case, her children, and she mentions the sons. And uh, so it sounds like he's taking more than one. Must have been a, a substantial debt here. And it's interesting that the, the debt that is mentioned here, because when you look at the Old Testament law, it allowed people to uh, sell themselves uh, to pay for a debt. If I owed you uh, an amount that I couldn't pay, I could then say, OK, I'll come be your servant to pay this debt off. Um, and it also allowed them to do that with their children. Uh, me and my children will come be your servants, I guess, depending on the size of the debt that was owed. Um, but it didn't really allow so much for the, the creditor to come in and take the children directly. 
But based on another passage where uh, there's a, a law about if uh, there's a, a thief and he can't pay back what he owes, then you're to take uh, you know something from him. And they, they kind of blended a lot of those different laws together. And it was pretty common practice. You could tell even this far back that uh, people would kind of extend that. If you owed me a debt, you couldn't pay it. Uh, I could now come and take your children as, as payment for that. Um, that's not the way the original wording was in the law. It was it was the decision of the person that owed the debt, how they were going to pay it. Um, but that's how it had become. And you see it again in even in Isaiah, when when God is speaking to the nation of Israel and he talks about you know them owing a debt and things like that. He mentions this uh, this uh, this idea of of uh, the, the children being taken. And uh, we see even when Jesus was here, one of some of his examples uh, talk about you know this this kind of idea of uh, the children being uh, taken as payment for a debt. And so we know it was a very common thing uh, in Israel and even outside of Israel, but even within Israel with their you know, specific laws, they kind of interpreted these laws a, a different way to, to allow this. And so here this woman is saying the man's coming and based on what everyone is agreeing is, is allowed, he can take my sons. And I think the interesting thing to me about this is what she does with it. Notice, now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha. Elisha was, was the main prophet at that time. He was the uh, successor to Elijah. He was the one everyone looked at and, and said, okay, this is the man of God. This is the one who God speaks through. She it was doing the only way she knew how to take her problem to God. To say, okay, I'm going to carry this to God and see what God can do for me. To me, that's the most important part of this passage. Even if we just kind of skip from there, stop and say, okay, let's go home now. You can take that away and let that be your lesson uh, to, to walk away with for the rest of your life and say, you know what? When I have a problem, I just need to take it to God. That's where I need to go first. You've heard me tell the story over and over. I love the illustration that Vance Havner used to tell about this uh, elderly lady in the church who was always just worried about everything. And uh, she had gotten sick and uh, was, was getting uh, you know, worse. The doctors had been in several times and, and she was continuing not to recover. And the pastor comes in and says, uh, well, let's pray. She says, oh my, has it come to that? <laughs> and then, uh, and Vance used to tell, when he would tell that story, he would say, it always comes to that. Why don't we start with that? You know, that that's what, we're, what God wants us to do. When we have a, a burden, when we have a problem, when we have an issue, whatever it is that we're up against that causes us uh, stress or anxiety, he says he wants us to bring it to him. Just to go, okay, God, what, what can I do about this? What can you do about this? And, and this woman was willing to say, okay, I'm going to bring my problem to God. She didn't try to just solve it on her own. She didn't sit back and say, there's nothing I can do. This is how the law works. She didn't, all these different ways she could have approached it. She said, no, I'm going to go find the man of God. And I'm going to take my problem to God. And that's what she did. Now, notice it says that she was the wife of a son of the prophets. Now, that phrase, son of the prophets, you'll see used a lot in, in the book of the uh, Second Kings uh, and uh, First Kings and some of those places. Uh, the sons of the, son of the prophets were basically uh, prophets in training. Uh, in fact, when Elijah was about to cross over uh, the Jordan and be carried, uh, carried away, uh, and he's going to pass the mantle off to Elisha, and, uh, and all that's about to happen, some of the, the sons of the prophets, these prophets in training, come over to Elisha and they say, do you know that your, your, your mentor is about to be gone? And he says, yes, I know. These were, these were uh, kind of the, the modern day uh, uh, preacher boys, if you will. They were the, the ones that they were in seminary. They were, they were studying to be prophets. 
Uh, of course, a prophet and a preacher are not the same thing. A preacher presumably shares uh, what's written in the Word of God. Prophets were there to speak on God's behalf uh, from the Holy Spirit. So there was a difference there. But that was kind of the, the closest thing we have to that today is these men were, were studying. They were training. They were mentoring under other people to learn to, 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 to listen to the Spirit of God, to be able to speak on God's behalf. That's why when you get into a lot of these evil kings we see in the books of, of First and Second Kings, they bring prophets in that would kind of tell them what they want to hear. Because it, it, by that time, it kind of become a business. It kind of become a, a role. But anyway, these are some of the men's, men that had studied uh, or were studying to be prophets. And so they would have known Elisha. Elisha you know, received a double portion of Elijah's uh, blessing is the way it was worded in Scripture. He was, he was looked at as, as the main prophet in Israel. So they would have obviously all, you know, come to him and, and mentored under him and watched him. And so this woman knew Elisha. She comes to him and says, you knew my husband. You know, this is who he was. And you know that he feared the Lord. He was a man of God. And she says, you know, and now I have this problem. She's coming to him and, 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 and hoping he can give her some, uh, you know, advice from God. That to me is the most important part of the story. Where do we go? When we have problems, where do we go when we have uh, things we don't know what to do? It needs to be straight to God. It needs to be going and taking it to him. OK, I'll I'll quit uh, harping on that. But it is to me that is the most important part of the story. Here was a mother who her, her best trait at this point was her willingness to say, you know what? I'm going to take my children to God. I'm going I'm to go to God and say, OK, God, and your help protecting them. You have a child, you have grandchildren, you have nieces and nephews that, that, are, inter- that are involved in your life. You need God's help. To, to watch over them. You need God's help to raise them. And it goes on, Elisha turns to her and he says, what shall I do for thee? And Elisha basically says, tell me what you're asking of me. Now, I, I kind of wonder in this case, now we, we don't have any evidence that Eli- Elisha was married. There, there's no uh, story where he ever gets married. There's no uh, wife coming along with him. Um, but, but to me, it sounds a lot like a, a marriage story there, doesn't it? Uh, I know we've got uh, 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 so some men chiming in here. Uh, uh, let's see, Ronnie's married, so I know he can relate to this. Jake's about to get married, so uh, he's going to learn. He's going to relate to this pretty soon. But you know what it's like when when your wife tells you something, but she doesn't quite tell you what it is she's telling you. Now I'm gonna get in a little bit of trouble for for sharing this, I'm sure, because uh, I'm, I'm gonna get accused of doing the same thing. But you know what I'm talking about, man. When you get in and, and your wife comes in, and she says, "Tomorrow is garbage day." To me, that's a statement. It, okay, tomorrow is garbage day. To my wife, that actually means you need to go take care of the garbage today because in the morning you're not going to remember it. But it was kind of like, okay, what are you telling? And that's an easy one, obviously. You know, we learned that one pretty quick. Uh, you know, but sometimes you hear these things that there are statements that get said, and you're like, so what are you really asking me? <laughs> what, what's the real request here? That wasn't an, that wasn't a request. That was a statement. But I know there's a question after that. So that's kind of what I wondered. If, if it sounds like Elisha's kind of learned that lesson, even though he's not married here. Uh, what do you want me to do? I hear your story. I hear what you're explaining to me. But what is it you're asking of me? And, uh, you know, it, it, you kind of see a trend here with uh, what we looked at last week, uh, what we spoke about in, in Philippians chapter four uh, to, to this uh, question that Elisha asked her. What do you want from me? What do you want me to do for you? You know, last week we looked at um, Philippians four uh, verses six and seven. And verse six of that says, be careful for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. God wants us to bring our request to him. He doesn't want us just to, it's not enough for me to go and, and complain to everybody I know about what's going on in my life. 
It's not enough for me to go and say, oh, I wish there was a fix for this or I hope God does something here. Sometimes we say we're praying about something and what we really mean is we're telling everybody we know what's going on and hoping God does something. We're not really spending that time going to God and saying, okay, God, you know, here's what I need. Here's, here's what's on my heart. Here's what I'm asking of you. God wants us to bring our, our requests and our petitions to him. In the book of James, James is writing and he, he tells the people, uh, he says, you have not because you ask not. And he goes on to say, sometimes they, they have what they don't need because they ask amiss. He says, you're not really asking for what it is that, that you want. And that's what Elisha is saying here. He's saying, what, what, can I, what do you want me to do for you? That's what God wants of us. That's how we overcome worry. We see God work because we go to him and we bring him requests and we see him do things that only he can do. When our, our baby is uh, in danger of being thrown into the river. Okay, we don't encourage that. We don't encounter that. But from the story last week, we, we don't just, oh, what am I going to do? I have no options here. We trust God. We do what we can. And we see God work miracle. We see God do something mighty. I bring in a request to him. That's how we see God work. Just recently, I've had someone tell me a story about how God worked in their life, how God worked miraculously to answer prayer in their life. Things that, that they couldn't have done on their own, things they couldn't have manipulated and made to happen. God just did it. That's the kind of God we serve, a God that can do anything. And what does he want us to start with? Bring our request to him. Bring our request to him. Elisha says, what do you want me to do? And he says, tell me, what do you have in your house? He says, what do you have? What's God already, what's already God already given you? What's, what's God already blessed you with? I think this is an important part for us sometimes where we're saying, oh, I want God to do something. I want God to, to work in my life. And I want him to, to, to change something. Or I want him to, uh, to, to remove a sob school or whatever it is we're praying about. And we kind of sit back and wait. And sometimes God's saying, what have I already built into your life? What have I already blessed you with? Let's take that and begin to work from there. You know, in the, the, the Bible study series, Experiencing God, it's one of the, the key points in that whole series is find out where God's working and join him. You know, that's the best thing we can do in our life is what's God already doing in my life? What gifts has he already given me? What blessings has he already poured out to me? What uh, talents has he already given me? What interests has he already given me? Let me start there. What people has he already put in my life? Let's start there and then begin to work from that. And that's what Elisha says. Well, how, what do you have in your house? She says, I don't have much to offer. She says, I don't hardly anything. You know, I think that's what we do as well. When God comes to us and says, okay, I'm going to use you. We go, I don't, I don't have anything to offer, God. You can't use me. I, I don't have anything. And then we kind of just start there. And she says, I don't have much. I don't have anything in the house, but I do have a little pot of oil. Now, it's interesting, the, the word that's used there is also kind of the phrase for an anointing of oil, meaning it might have been a very small amount, just enough to simply anoint someone, just enough to put some on someone's head, because oil was used in a lot of different ways back then. Obviously, it was used for cooking. It was used for, for lighting and lamps. It was used for medicinal purposes. If you had a cut or a scrape, you would put uh, oil on that to, to try to keep out infection. It was also used uh, for, uh, you know, uh, as part of, uh, of dressing and cleanliness. Uh, they would put oil in their hair and their beards. It was used in a lot of different ways. It was also used to anoint someone. Uh, when you had to, when, uh, remember when David was being anointed king, that's what Samuel did. He poured oil on him. And uh, so there was, it's a mention that maybe there's just, a, just enough here to, to anoint someone. That's about all she had. And then notice what Elisha says. All right, that's enough. She didn't think it was very much. She said, all I've got is this, this little bit of oil. Elisha says, that's enough. Maybe that's you today. You're saying, God, I don't have much to offer to you. I don't have much to give you. I don't have much to, uh, to do for you. He says, that's enough. Whatever I've given you at this point is enough for me to take and do something miraculous with. 
God can take what he's doing in your life right now and he can do something you have no idea about. He can do something that I have no idea about. He can do stuff that you and I can't even imagine is a possibility. That's the amazing thing. That's what God is saying here. Okay, I'm going to do something with, with that little bit you said you had, that, that almost nothing that you seemed to imply was there. He says, go, borrow vessels abroad of all your neighbors, even empty vessels. Don't borrow a few. He says, I want you to go and get as many uh, vessels as you can, as many pots, uh, uh, containers as you can get. Ask every neighbor you have, and don't stop at just a little bit. I want you to get as many as you can. You know what? I think that's the interesting part here is that now she has a has a, a role to play in this. Remember, it was interesting that last week, uh, you know, Jochebed, God didn't give her instructions. We, nothing than what we're told in the narrative there, there. Never does it say that God came and said, okay, now I want you to go build this and put this there. She, she's doing whatever she can think of. Okay, this is the only thing I know to do, and she's doing it. And she's asking God to bless it. Here, uh, God does it a different way. God actually tells uh, this woman, which we don't know her name either. Um, in fact, we don't know her name anywhere else. So uh, in this case, she's truly honest. But uh, God says, okay, I've got a role for you to play in this. I want you to go and just collect a whole bunch of containers. Now, can you imagine how weird that might have felt? Okay, well, why? You know, a lot of times when we get, uh, if we got a word like that from God, we'd be sitting back going, I, that doesn't make sense. Sure, that can't be God telling me that because that, that's that doesn't, there's, that doesn't do anything. That doesn't get me where I need to go. I must be, I must be making that up. And we would debate all these different things. He says, I want you to go and borrow as many vessels. Don't stop at a few. Don't limit God by, by your lack of faith. Have enough faith to just get as many as you can and, and get more than you ever think you would ever need. And that's what he tells her to do. And then notice, there's another one of my favorite parts of the story. Oh, is, uh, there's one more part of this. He says, and when thou come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee, and upon thy sons shalt pour into all the vessels, that thou shalt set aside that which is full. So he tells you, I want you to go get all these vessels, and you're going to fill them up with that little bit of oil you got. You're gonna, you, can you imagine if that's what you were told? I mean, you might be inclined to go, okay, I'll get a few, but I mean, how much, how much can we get out of this? You know, it, it, our, our, our minds are limited by what we know and what we see, and and here he's saying, get it so many, get more than you ever imagined you can get. And then I want you to pour that oil into all these vessels. She has an encounter here going, okay, am I going to trust? Am I going to believe this? Am I going to trust that what God is saying, it makes sense? That it's doable? All she has to do is, is just do what he's telling her. She doesn't have to understand it. She doesn't have to see how it's going to all work out. And that's the beauty of it. This is the verse I thought we were getting to. So she went from him. Look at that. So she went. She obeyed. She didn't question. She didn't doubt. She didn't analyze. She didn't reconsider or ask for clarification. She just went. That's all God needs from us. He wants us to be obedient when he speaks. You see, Saul was the first king of Israel. God has set him up and anointed him as a king because people kept saying, we want a king, we want a king. And, and God said, okay, fine, I'll give you a king. And he anoints Saul as a king of Israel. And then Saul kind of got full of himself. He got proud and, 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 and thought, wow, I'm really something special. And there's a story in, in, that we see um, in, uh, in 1 Samuel where Saul goes to, to war and Samuel has told him, okay, you're going to go fight this battle, but you're not to bring back any of the stuff. All the animals that these people have, you're just to, uh, to kill them all. You're not to take them as, as war loot. You're, you're, you're to, to go and destroy uh, everything there. And then as they go to battle, they, they're successful and they're coming back. And Samuel hears the bleeding of sheep and the bleeding of goats and, and animals and he goes out to meet Saul and he says, why didn't you do what God said to do? And Saul says, oh, we did, we did, don't worry about it. 
we we uh, we totally obliterated them. But we we kept back the, the people kept back the best of all the different animals and stuff, so we could offer them as a sacrifice to God. And Samuel is distraught. And he tells Saul, he says, I'm about to tell you something. And Saul says, go ahead, tell me. And Samuel says, this is what Samuel said. He said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. You see, we can do all kinds of things for God and, and call it sacrifice, call it giving, call it uh, you know, offering. What he really wants the most is when he speaks, we say, yes, I'll do that. This woman understood that. She didn't have much to offer, really didn't have anything to offer. It's a little bit of all. But she could do what God asked her to do through the prophet Elisha. And that's what she does. She went from him. As he shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she started pouring it out. She started doing what God had told her to do. That's our task, to do the next thing God leads you to do. I've mentioned before, I don't know what God's leading you to do. I can't tell you what that is. Because that's the job of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's leading you. If, you. if you've accepted Christ your Savior, Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. And He's leading you and guiding you. He's the one that's going to tell you when it's time to pick up the phone and call someone. He's the one that's going to tell you when it's time to go lead a Bible study or, or invite someone over for dinner or, or whatever it may be that He wants you to do. He's going to be the one to lead you to do that. Our, our step is to say, okay, whatever He's leading me to do, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do it. She went in. She started pouring oil. I don't have any idea where her mind was at. If she was like me, she's probably going, this probably ain't going to last too long. I can't imagine this is going to go very, very far. Or maybe she's totally had total faith. Maybe she said, hey, you know what? The prophet said, fill them up. We're going to fill them all up. But she was just doing what God told her to do. She starts pouring them out. She said, bring me another one. Bring me another one. Bring me another one. You see what God can do? I love that, that uh, phrase from the old song, little as much when God is in it. That wasn't much oil in that, that container. But when God got a hold of it, it was something to behold. That's the way we can be. There's not much to us. We may not have a whole lot to offer God. We're, we're imperfect. But God can take us and use us in a mighty way. That's, that's why all, all throughout Scripture we see that. David and Goliath. David was just a, a young shepherd boy at that point. God used him to bring down a, a military giant, military trained military uh, killer. Because God can use us if we simply allow him to we simply say yes i'll do whatever it is you tell me to do and it says it came to pass when the vessels were full and she said unto her son bring me yet a vessel and he said to her there is not a vessel more and the oil stayed once they ran out of vessels the oil stopped the only limitation to to their success here was the the amount of vessels the how, how much they obeyed how much they how much faith they had i mean vessels they said okay we're gonna get I don't know. They may have got every vessel that was in the community of all I know. They, they might have had that. It might have been the maximum amount. Or it might have been they got a whole bunch that we'll never use this many. We're going to stop here. But whatever it was they had, that was the only limitation to God. Because God was saying, I'm working through your obedience. Sometimes God does that with us. He works through our obedience. And when we hold back, when we're not obedient, we limit what he can do with us. We limit the impact he can have with us. Now, God can do anything. You know, I wonder so many times I see that story of, of Balaam and how he's going out to, to curse the children of Israel because uh, he's getting paid to. And God keeps telling him, don't do it. And he's eh, they're offering a lot of money here and uh, he's, he's going to go and do it anyway. He could have issued a blessing on them. 
but he instead he's going to go issue a, a curse to try to help the people that are in this area that are scared of the, this this new nation coming in. And what does God do? He has his donkey talk to him. The donkey finally speaks and says, "Look, there's an angel about to kill you. You're you're walking into danger here because you're disobeying." And I wonder sometimes how many times God uses something else other than me because I'm holding him back. I'm not willing to go where he wants me to go. I'm not willing to do what he wants me to do. God can do, God will accomplish what he wants to accomplish, but he wants to do it through us. He wants to do it with us. And that's what he did here. As long as they obeyed, as long as whatever they had, that he said, get as many of these pots, as many as they had, he filled them all up. God will do what we need him to do. Notice she goes back to Elisha then. I wonder if she didn't quite understand what the whole point was here. She's looking at it going, okay, now I've got a bunch of oil, but what am I going to do with this? You know, I, I don't think this man's going to, I can't give it to the man for payment because i got to get these pots all back to the people that I borrowed them from. Uh, and so she goes back to him and says, you know, we did it. And look what happened. And then Elisha said, now go, sell the oil, pay your debt, and live off of the rest of what's left. There was enough oil in this one miracle for them to sell it. Pay off the debt that was owed, which was gonna, which was a big enough debt for the man to be able to come and take her sons as as payment, and still had some left over to live off of. Isn't that amazing what God can do? He can He can answer your prayer and give you a little bit extra. He can He can say, Yeah, you know, you've got this debt you need covered. I can I can make I can do that, and I can also give you a little bit more. And that's what God did for us. We had a debt we couldn't pay, our sin debt. He says, you know, not only that, I can come cover a sin debt. I can die on the cross and, and take the punishment for your sins. But I can go a step further, and I can also make you a home in heaven. I can bring you to, to live forever with me. And I can send my Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you, to empower you right here in this life that you're in. That's always how God works. He does so much more above and beyond what we can ask or think. That's the God we serve, and that's what God can do. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Don't believe me? Take your problems to him. Take your request to him. Let your request be made known unto him, as, as Philippians 4.16 said. Take it to God. See if he can't answer the prayer. He will supply all our need according to his riches and glory. Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27 kind of show us how that happens. Like, how do we how do we let God begin to work in us? How do we let God begin to work on our behalf? And it starts with letting God change us. See, so many times I think we limit God because we don't let him change who we are. Sometimes God wants to work that miracle. He wants to pay that, that debt and, and give this lady the, the, the what she needs to survive. But what he wants in the process even more is he wants her life to be changed. He wants her understanding of who he is to change. He wants her understanding of how to trust him to change. He wants her understanding of obeying what he says to change. He wants change in her as much as he wants to bless her with these other things. Same thing is true of us. Ezekiel 36, verse 26, says, A new heart will I give you, a new spirit will I pour within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Now, God is talking to the nation of Israel here about how he's going to restore them, and he's going to bring them back to him. I believe these, these scriptures also speak to what God did there in, at the cross, what he did when he brought in the, the church age and what he's done for us. See, when we accept him as our Savior, he says we're a new creature. We're a new creation. He takes away our old heart and he gives us a new one, one that can beat like his, one that can love like him, one that is capable of, of, of understanding him. 
And then he goes on to say, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. You want to see God work in your life? You have something you need to take to God and say, okay, God, I need you to work this miracle. I don't know how it's going to happen. Start with changing one side, with you changing. Okay, God, change who I am. Change my heart. Change my attitude. Change my, uh, my uh, stance towards you. Help me to, to, to truly begin to trust you. Help me begin to listen to your spirit. To begin to, to, to let the Holy Spirit work inside of me. Notice that we obey by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's what shows us what we need to do. But at the same time, it enables us to be obedient. He says, I will put my spirit with you, within you, cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. You'll know what to do because of the Holy Spirit, and you'll have the ability to do it because of the Holy Spirit. Are we willing to be obedient, even in the little things? Remember, this whole miracle started with one mother being willing to take her problem to God. There cried a certain woman, the wives of the sons of the prophets, unto Elisha, saying, My servant, my husband is dead. And the creditors come and take unto him my two sons to be the bondmen. Let your requests be made known unto God this week and see what God can do when we're obedient. I've said this many times, and I'll say it many more. God is working in your life. He has worked in your life. He is working in your life right now, and he is going to work in your life in the future. God is doing things. We just need to, to, to find out what he's doing right now in our life and join him. Be obedient and useful in what God has given us right in front of us. And he'll take care of those big things. He'll take care of those next things, those things that we don't even see an, a, a, a solution for. He'll work it out. He wants us to bring our petitions to him to trust him. We've seen what God can do this, this sermon series so far. We saw in Jochebed, God can work through her, her, her faith. We see here in this unknown woman that, that God can work through her obedience. How's God going to work in your life this week?